0: The extraordinarychurch.ca podcast where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ you are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you are you ready open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen
1: okay second Samuel let's go to first Samuel first let's go to 1 Samuel, then we're going to go to 2 Samuel. I know know you sat down. Stand up for me real quick as we read the word of the Lord. Uh, 1 Samuel 17, verse 32. Then I'm going to read from 2 Samuel 21, 15. And we're going to go there. Let's look at this. 1 Samuel 17, 32. Don't worry about this, Philistine. David told Saul, I'll go fight him. Man, praise God. (laughs) David's like, don't worry about it. I'll go. I'll go. Let's go to 2 Samuel 21, 15. Praise God. 2 Samuel 21, 15 through 22. Uh, once again, the Philistines were at war with Israel, and when David and his men were in the thick of battle, David became weak and exhausted. Ishmael Benab was a descendant of the giants. His bronze spearhead weighed more than seven pounds, and he was armed with a new sword. He cornered David and was about to kill him. But Abishai, son of Zariah, came to David's rescue and killed the Philistine. Then David's men declared, you are not going out to battle with us again. Why risk snuffing out the light of Israel? After this, there was another battle against the Philistines at Gob. As they fought Sibbecai from Hashah killed Saph, another descendant of the giants. During another battle at Gob, El- uh, Elihan, son of Jer from Bethlehem, killed the brother of Goliath of Gath. The handle of his spear was as thick as a weaver's beam. In another battle with the Philistines at Gath, they encountered a huge man, are you ready for this? With six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. Now, I thought my feet were jacked up. Praise God. Nathan. I'm sorry, I feel bad for anybody who got six toes on your feet. Praise God. 24 in all who was also a descendant of the giants but when he defied and taunted Israel he was killed by Jonathan the son of David's brother Shemaiah these four Philistines were descendants of the giants of Gath but David and his warriors killed them i want to preach this thought to you this afternoon again and again and again and again Would you help me pray? Father, we love you. We bless you. I release the gift of faith in this place. You are here today. We give you thanks and praise. What you're doing, anoint me to preach and teach your word with relevancy and with accuracy, God. I pray anoint those that are hearing. Release the gift of faith. Help us to get a hold of it with expected hearts, God. And we'll give you the praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Praise God. Again, again. Again and again, I love the Word of God. Can I get an amen? I'm thankful for the Word of God, and uh, but we are funny. We are funny people because we like to have a G-rated interpretation of things sometimes, and I get that. I get that. Uh, a lot of times, I can understand why you would choose the G-rated version of Scripture sometimes. If you you have kids. And if your kids begin to read the Bible, uh, depending upon what translation they're reading, you've had them come to you at some point or another and be like, "Damn, did you know that this was in the Bible? It's kind of like, you know, Noah, when God flooded the earth. Uh, Let's show them that image that I gave our media team. This is what we tell our kids. But that's the G-rated version. That ain't... The real rated R NC 17 version. We can sterilize things so much sometimes. And I want you to know that the Word of God is abundantly clear that we don't, I'm not saying that you shouldn't appropriately disseminate or communicate the Word of God, but sometimes if we're not careful, we can idealize or romanticize that G rated version and try to live that out when the reality of it was that was complete and utter destruction. If you were not in the ark, and there were only eight souls in that ark, you were doomed, and everything on that earth was going to die, period. Judgment had been pronounced. The flood was coming. And so there wasn't, you know what, there there, there were people, I bet, at that point that you could hear the screams and the curdling and the drowning and the despair and the fright. Let me just push pause. This is not in my notes. This is free. But if there was ever a time to stay in the ark, it's now. I'm not interested in what they got going on out in the world. I want to stay in the ark. It's safety in the ark. There's blessing in the ark. There's protection in the ark. You need to stay in. You need to get in and stay in. Praise God. God. Tell somebody, get in and stay in. Get in and stay in. And, And oftentimes, if we're not careful, we like to clean up characters or individuals in their lives. Sometimes we refer to them as characters, but we like to clean up David. But cleaning up David is tough. This is why, this is why, let me just say this. People, I think, misunderstand sometimes. If you are, if you read Scripture, see, here's what religion will tell you. Religion will tell you that you have to be perfect. But that's not possible, and that's not, that's not it. We're not out to attain perfection in the sense of we'll never make a mistake. No, 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 no. Uh, But the Bible is the truth, and it tells the truth about people. But when we say, I was telling Pastor Barry this, I think sometimes uh, people can misunderstand. When we say no perfect people allowed or we're the perfect church for imperfect people, that's not a license to do whatever you want to do. That's not not us condoning sin. What we're saying is if you're bold enough, if you're daring enough, if you're vulnerable enough, if you're authentic enough, you are in a safe place where there's no judgment. You're in a place where we'll practice Galatians 6.1. You who are spiritual restore one another in a spirit of meekness. Nobody's going to put you on blast. Nobody's here to ridicule you, criticize you, judge you. We're here to lift you up and watch God do a work in your life. And oftentimes, that can only happen until you get to a place where you realize, oh, I don't have to fake the funk. But we like to try to clean up individuals. And boy, do we clean up David. We clean up David's life. We clean up David's life. And by the time we're done with David, he's cleaned up real good. But you know what? You have so many different contrasts. You have David, the psalmist of Israel. And then you've got David, the individual who is dismally failing, a murderer, an adulterer. And we cleaned it up. He not just fell once, but many times. Yet, we also understand he was a man after God's own heart. In 2 Samuel the text I read to you in the latter part, uh, this was not the Goliath that David faced when he was a boy. This was another Goliath, a relative of the original, whom faced him when he was an elderly man, more seasoned, if you will. But let me give you some context of the original battle for those who are not familiar with it. If you aren't familiar with it, the Philistines wanted to fight against the Israelites, and they had a champion named Goliath. Goliath was one of the tallest uh, human beings at that time. Most theologians will tell you he was nine feet, nine and a half feet. Some say nine seven. He would literally dominate on the basketball court. Oh, brother did not even have to jump. Matter of fact, if he extended his hands, it'd be taller than the hoop. You 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 could just it could just hit his head. He could just boom, just nice little layup like that. Uh, and this is what he had been championed for years and years. Goliath had killed a lot of people in battle. And for about two months, Goliath says, hey, look, this is how we're going to get down. We're going to fight Israel. The Philistines, they meet in the Valley of Elah. And he says, I'm going to represent the Philistines. And you find a man and come on out and fight me. And this victory will be the, uh, this win, whoever wins, it'll be a win for everybody. Okay? And so he's out taunting them day and night. It's literally what he does. And so, uh, you know, Goliath is just out there. Hey, let's fight, let's fight, let's fight. And Israel is quiet. They say nothing, nothing at all. They were taunted. They were terrified for almost 40 days. Goliath comes out twice a day, once in the morning, once in the evening, taunting them. I defy the gods of Israel, and I want to fight. And nobody says anything. He says, send me your best champion. I'm ready to get down with the get down. All we need you to do is bring out your dude, and I'll fight them right now. And whoever wins, it's going down. Everybody is hearing this. Now, David is running an errand. David's running in there and he's he does what his father tells him to do. His dad's like, hey son, go take some food to your brothers, take some to the captains, check and give me a little update. And so as you can imagine, just kind of envision this with me. Day and night, Goliath comes out there. Who wants to get down with the get down? Send me your best man. And nobody does anything. Now, David shows up and he says, Hey, 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 bro, what I got this for you, you got some bread, I got this sandwich. Everybody, how are we doing? And uh, then he's like, where are the captains at? I got to take the captain some cheese. I'm going to bless them. And as he's leaving, he probably hears, not probably, he hears, Goliath, I'm ready to get down with the get down. Who is going to fight me? I'm defying your God. David, <laughs> David's like, what? Now, for 40 days. Nobody does anything. And David's like, what was that? And his brothers were like, well, man, uh, and the captains and everybody, they're like, well, look, this guy has been taunting us for 40 days. And um, uh, he just said, if we could bring our best man. And even King, King Saul was like, look, if, uh, if whoever will fight this man and defeat him, you'll get my daughter. You don't have to worry about any taxes. I mean, you're going to be living the life. And David was like, um. Um, and they, he was like, What'd you say? They were like, Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, you get to marry a Michael. He was like, No, 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 no. Not, what was the other part? Did you say no taxes? <laughs> David was like, No taxes, huh? Praise God. He was like, Where is he at? David is offended that this God or that this Goliath is insulting the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and nobody is saying nothing. David is like, wait a second. He asked the question. He's like, is there not a cause? He, he asked it almost like in a rhetorical sense, and his brothers are fronting on him because they're like, well, we know why you're here because David's ready to do something. David's so ready to do something, but his brothers are like, well, you just, uh, what would you do with the sheep you got, those little few sheep? What, 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 go, go, go back, and you you just, you, you, just, you, just, you just being nosy. And that's not it at all. they just like, you know, here's the reality of it. What his brothers really knew is David knew how to get down. And also what they knew, that they didn't have in them what David had in him. And when you know who you are, and hear me, most importantly, whose you are, you can get around people who will be intimidated by you, but don't shrink down to their level. Don't let them pull you down. You know who you are, and you know whose you are. You belong to him, and if God be for you, the whole world can be against you, but you know that God has got your back. You can stand firm in the midst of persecution and intimidation. So listen to what David says here, verse 32 of 1 Samuel 17. He says, don't worry about this, Philistine. David told Saul, I'm going to go fight him. Look at verse 33. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he has been a man of war since his youth. Now, watch this. But David persisted. There's something about somebody who understands who they are in Christ. They won't back down. They won't let somebody. No, no. He went again and again and again and again. And here's what he says. Let me explain to you, King Saul, something. I, I know I'm your worship pastor, and let, but let me explain this to you. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. And he said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb for the flock. Y'all, y'all catch this? Okay. I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its What? <laughs> what did he just say? When a, when the lion comes after one of the sheep, David said, "Not like, not like, hey, let their sheep go. Not like, um, let it go." David said he gets a club. And goes after the lion. <laughs> Watch it. I go after it with a club and rescue. I mean. Did y'all make me think of this this one viral? I think this was in Canada, y'all. I, don't, I can't remember. This one lady, they was. See, this is why, you know, some of y'all don't need to be hiking anyway. This lady was on a trail, and, and the bear, it was like three of them, but that bear was fascinated with her, and the bear was, like just hitting her like this. You know, anyway, it made me think about that. But David goes after this thing, and look at this. He said, if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it. What? What is David doing? He says, I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. My God, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Now watch this. He says, hey, I've done it with a lion. I've done it with a bear. And now he's looking at Goliath. And notice he doesn't put Goliath in a different category. As a matter of fact, he doesn't say, well, you know what? The cub, you know, the lion and the bear, those are animals. And this is a human being. This is a little different. I got to look at things differently. No, no, no. He says, I know God delivered me. He delivered me from the lion. He delivered me from the bear. He'll do the same with the Philistine. See, you need to understand, no matter what the circumstance, if he delivered you, he'll do it again. He can deliver you from depression. He can deliver you from heartache. He can deliver you from a diagnosis. He can deliver you from accusation. He can deliver you from backstabbers. He can deliver you. He can deliver you. It makes no difference. So... He says, hey, I know he's going to come through. Praise God. He'll do the same thing. This is what he says. Look at verse 37. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion. This is my club. And the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. So here's what Saul Saul said. Saul finally consented. All right. Go ahead. Uh, may the Lord be with you. This was not a compliment, fam. This was not a confident endorsement of David's abilities, are y'all hearing me, to go take care of Goliath. This was a king who had been hiding for 40 days himself, okay? And this boy... Boy, shows up with all this godfidence, and he reads kind of his resume like, well, i take care of bears, and i take care of lions, and, and so all, all he can say is, like, okay, well, God be with you. That's like, you know what we, we say today, you put it on the Facebook, comment, Instagram, like, oh, I'll be praying for you. That's what, that's like you're in my thoughts. What does that mean? No, 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 no. So, look at, look at verse 38. Watch this. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, took a step back to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. And he says, I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So, David took them off. Again, what I want you to understand is, see, Saul the king. I love David's posture here and how he submits. But the king has the one with the authority to release David into the battle. And David doesn't go into this battle without the blessing of the king. You need to understand, I was talking to my bishop not too long ago, and I said, man, I'm thankful. As a matter of fact, the Lord gave me great clarity and peace of mind pertaining to something I was facing, and I want you to know, don't you ever go try to fight a giant without spiritual covering. Don't you try to fight a giant without spiritual covering because the reality of it is you will get killed. So, Saul gives him the permission to fight the giant, but Saul wants David to fight the giant his way, the way he would. So he says, hey, you got to put on my armor. And watch this. David doesn't protest before putting on the armor. Why? Because he's submitted to authority. So he's looking at the armor, probably thinking like, I, I know this is not going to work, and I know that's not how I roll. But because he's submitted to authority, he agrees, Let me go ahead and just put on the armor that way. You know, everybody will kind of see that this is probably not going to work out. And so he's like, hey, this isn't it. And Saul finally sees, you know what, that's not going to work. Yeah, go ahead and take that off. You're not going to be able to roll with that and watch what he does. Verse 40, he picks up five smooth stones from a stream and puts them into a shepherd's bag. Now, you can over-spiritualize this because people have preached this before. They're like, well, what were the five stones for? Like, and they would say, oh, Jesus, J-E-S-U-S. Maybe, maybe. Uh, But how about, you know, David was like, I just might need more more than one. I'm prepared to sling another if I need to. And if it's going to take three, I, but I'm going to keep slinging this thing until he goes down. I, I know he's going to go down. I don't know when. I don't know if it's going to be the first one, the third one, but I do know this, he will go down. And so, only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he starts across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the name of his gods. Come over here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. (laughs) How many times have you heard threats from the enemy? How many times has the enemy tried to bring up your past in your life? How many times have you been able to, you've been ready to gear up for a fight to go against the bad, to go against the enemy in battle? But you need to understand, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. So you need to understand, I'm not talking about your boss. I'm not talking about your mama. I'm not talking about your daddy. I'm not talking about your cousin. I'm not talking about your auntie or your uncle. I'm telling, as a matter of fact, don't put a name on it. Don't put a face on it. You need to understand that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against spiritual wickedness in the heavenly realm. Your brother or your sister is not your enemy. Your neighbor is not your enemy. Your colleague is not your enemy. The police or the government are not your enemy. You need to understand who your enemy is and how to fight this battle. So he says, hey, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And the enemy is threatening and threatening. And so you know what? That's how we often feel like, you know what? We're getting ready to go into battle and we can understand it's intense. And the enemy's like, don't you come out here. You come out here, I'll kill you and everything you're connected to. Don't you come out here because if you mess with me, that same generational curse I put on your grandfather, I'll put on you. While he's breathing his threats, you have to make your mind up. We about to fight. But what happens is usually most of the time, the threat can make people run. I I, I know because growing up, I could talk trash with the best of them. I rode with some pretty rough cats. But I was not one of those rough cats. And they knew that. I mean, I've been in some crazy scenarios as a kid. I'm like, what, what, what am I doing? I could talk trash with the best of them. I, this is not, you know, this is before Christ. I can, uh, I can remember, you know what? Um, I remember one time. Uh, man, like, before, back in the day, before people started like really killing people, like they had lost their mind, you would you would talk trash. And I remember, uh, I would be the biggest of trash talkers. There'd be all kinds of fights going on. I'd be in it, and I'd be talking. And I'd be like, y'all don't want none of this or whatever. But I remember one time we were we were down in this place called the Strip, and the Strip was just like this long street where everybody just parked their cars, and they would hang out in Nadine. And uh, just late, let me just say this, it ain't nothing good happening late at night. I Thank you, Pastor Barry. Don't be out too late. Don't be out too late. Praise God. So uh, we out just killing, and, you know, music playing, people doing what they're doing, smoking, drinking, whatever. And uh, somebody was talking trash. And I'll never forget. Now, see, like, me, you talk trash, I'm going to talk trash, and if I talk enough trash, maybe you won't want to fight. But you can roll up on some people, and you can talk that smack to the wrong person. And I'll never forget, my boy sure, oh, I didn't want to say his name. Dang. That just kind of my I didn't even said out loud. I said, don't say his name, don't say his name. This man, this dude was talking this trash, talking smack, and my boy was like, I'm done. So he was like, is this, is that the dude that's talking? Me and my boy was like, oh, that's him right there. Dude was just popping off. Like, you know, like I don't even think he knew. He, he was like, yeah, if he show up, ah, ah, ah. my boy showed up and was like this. Boom, boom, boom. I had never seen somebody get knocked out in my life. I mean, like that fist connected with that chin. He was like this. And then was out, head hit the curb and I was like this, you just gotten, I'm talking all kind of trash. But this is how to get to you. Because I remember one time I was talking trash, and I told my kids that this is why you can't talk trash all the time. I was, because I, I could talk. I was, I was like, oh, you want this? Meet me after so-and-so, blah, 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 blah. I was like, I want everybody there. Because, you know. <laughs> And, uh, man, do you know what? Everybody wasn't there. It was, just, it was just me and this kid. Just, just me and this kid. So the trash talk don't have the same effect when everybody ain't around. Praise God. But uh, my boy was like, he was like, yeah. He was like, what, what was that all that you were saying? Because he, he was ready. He was like, you uh, was talking trash. He had taken his backpack off. He had taken his jacket off. And he was like, uh, I'm ready. I was like, well, you know what? Uh, come to think of it. Come to think of it. Let, let, me, let me chill on that for a second. Let me, let me chill on that for a second. No, you, you got to be careful. Uh, but these threats did not move David. As a matter of fact, I want you to watch what David says back to Goliath. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Today... Today, (laughs) not tomorrow, not next week, today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel, and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with the sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Now, if I was dude with the Philistines, I'd be like, bro, why you got to, I'd be like, Goliath, I'd be like, how about you just cut his head off? Why you got to cut everybody's head off and feed us? I'd be like, I did not ask for all that. I was, you know, <laughs> David, we good. We good. We good. But this is crazy as to what happens. David defeats Goliath. Now, we know this, right? I got to hurry up. We know that, watch this though, watch this. David defeats, the, uh, David defeats Goliath in his youth. We know that four giants raise up later in David's life. They were somehow related to Goliath, perhaps his sons. They were Gittites or from Gath. Here's what I want you to hear me. Old enemies often reappear. <sighs> <laughs> As a decisive as the battle was that day on the fields of Judah, Goliath was slain and beheaded. Problems always have a way of reappearing. And when they reappear, they're not single. Enemies from the past multiply and come back when we least expect them. David was old and battle-weary. The enemies were strong and ready for war. David was weak, and the enemies came back stronger than before. If you're familiar with the mythology, you might remember Hercules. Hercules was asked or tasked with destroying Hydra, a nine-headed serpent. Each time he cut off the head, two more would grow in its place. Old enemies reappear, and old enemies multiply. Here's the simple truth, and I want you to understand this today. Battles rarely ever stay won. Battles rarely ever stay won. World War I... They thought it was the end, but soon it was a continuation, World War II. The Gulf War was supposed to end, uh, but you know what? Iraq. Yet, Operation Iraqi Freedom. We needed more time. I'm telling you right now, David wasn't given the luxury of closing his life with peace. It was a battle to the end. I'm here to encourage you. I'm not saying you're going to always struggle, but don't be surprised when that temptation comes back up in your life, even though you thought you had it under your feet. Don't be surprised when... When so-and-so did to you or said to you, you thought you were done with that, but it hits a little different in a different season, I'm trying to let you know that you will have to fight again and again and again and again and again, again. but don't give up. Don't be weary in doing well. Know that God is with you. God is for you, and you can win. David, he wasn't given the luxury, Bishop. Of closing his life with peace. It was a battle to the end. See, there's a sickness called shingles. It's incredibly painful. Oddly enough, it's caused by the same virus that causes chickenpox. I've had both. The virus remains dormant in a nerve root near the spinal cord after chickenpox. Fatigue and stress are other factors that typically reactivate this virus. And when it reactivates, it travels down the nerves to the skin. Chicken pox is for children, shingles is for adults. Chickenpox lasts a little while, shingles last a long while. What am I telling you? Old enemies often reappear in a different form, stronger at the time when we were weaker. Here's what you need you need new strategies for old enemies. What did David do when the giants reappeared? Did he pull out a sling and gather four stones? No, no, no. David needed new strategies. Just preceding the text I read to you, David did something that was long overdue. Look at verse 12. He says this, he went to the people of Jabesh Gilead. This is crazy. And retrieved the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan. When the Philistines had killed Saul and Jonathan on Mount Gilboa, the people of Jabash Gilead stole their bodies from the public square of Bethshan, where the Philistines had hung them. So David obtained the bones of Saul and Jonathan, as well as the bones of the men the Gibeonites had executed. Then the king ordered that they bury the bones in the tomb of Kish, Saul's father, at the town of Zelah in the land of Benjamin, After that, God ended the famine in that land. So let me tell you the first thing David did. Here's a strategy that's going to help you bury yesterday. Bury yesterday. When a person is young, it's possible through the strength of will and flesh to survive carrying your yesterday. But can I tell you, as you get older, you can't carry not only today's problems, but yesterday's problems. Life has a way of weakening you and wearing you out. You learn to live one day at a time. You learn that you can't haul all of your past hurts into today's situations. You can't bring that drama from your previous relationship or your previous employer into this one. I'm telling you right, you can't bring the drama of your past church into this one. I'm trying to let you know you have to be willing to bury some things so that you can move forward into what God has for you. If you want a victory over a giant, what am I saying? Bury yesterday. What am I saying? Notice, David took the painful memories— the bones of Saul, and his pleasant memories, the bones of Jonathan, and buried them both together. He buried everything there was that was connected to yesterday. The good, the bad, the beautiful, the ugly, the sweet, the sour, the fragrant, the stench, he buried it all. He was not going to feast on yesterday's hurts. He was not going to reminisce on yesterday's pleasures. Yesterday, as a matter of fact, doesn't have the answer. When he faced Goliath as a youth, he pointed to victories. He said, hey, I'd have been there, done that with the bear. I'd have done that with the lion. You next. But this is different now. Now he's old and realizes yesterday doesn't have my answers. Oh, God, help us. This is why you got got to bury it. They hurt me. Bury it. They offended me. Bury it. Look at what they did to me. Bury it. Look at these trophies, ribbons. Bury it. Look at these accomplishments. Bury them. Old enemies aren't afraid of your memories. Old enemies aren't afraid of your whimsical sentiments. Bury yesterday. This is why, this is just a side note. I put this in here. This is is what water baptism is. It's a burying of your yesterdays with a Bethlehemite named Jesus Christ. That's another strategy. You want to bury your yesterday, you're tired of your yesterday bothering you and haunting you, you need to go down in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you'll come up and yesterday will be gone. Why? Because you will have come and be raised into new life again. Is anybody thankful for baptism in Jesus' name? So look, watch this. Look at verse 15. How much? I'm looking at my notes. Oh, don't worry. I'm almost done. Okay. Once again, verse 15, 2 Samuel 21. Once again, the Philistines were at war with Israel. Told you that battle wasn't going anywhere. (sighs) It's not going. You all can look me in the face right now. How many of you all going to keep it 100 and be like, yo, if I struggled with this, and you like, yo, today is a good day. I got that thing tomorrow waiting for you. Some of us are like, man, why is this so intense? Once again, the Philistines were at war with Israel. Now, check this out. And when David and his men were in the thick of battle, David became weak and exhausted. Ishbai Benob was a descendant of the giants. His bronze spearhead weighed more than seven pounds. And he was armed with a new sword. He had cornered David and was about to kill him. But Abishai, son of Zerai, came to David's rescue and killed the Philistine. Then David's men declared, you are not going to battle with us again. Why risk nothing out the light of Israel? Here's what I'm trying to tell you. You have to learn how to accept change. David tried to fight the old way, but the old way didn't work. He wasn't young anymore. The glory of young men is in their strength, but David waxed faint in battle. Are you hearing me? To compound the problem, one of the giants had a new sword. David was older, and the young giant also had a new weapon. Reminds me of a pastor I was speaking to recently. He said, Man, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. He said, I, I, I don't understand this generation. I can't connect to this generation. I don't know what they're facing. I don't know how to help them navigate through this life. I'm telling you right now, at least he was able. He he understood. He said, Man, I'm weak. I'm worn from the battle. I'm done. And the enemy has adopted some new tactics. I'm telling you right now, I am shocked. And what our high school kids have to go through today. What I went through was a walk in the park. The tactics of the enemy are different. The family unit has dissolved. Marriages have crumbled and traditional structures of authority within the home are gone. Things have changed. Accept it. You don't have to like it. You don't have to approve of it. But change has happened. And if you're not going to be marginalized and set aside, you have to work with what is presented with you. Let me just tell you right now, the only constant in life is change. The wages of sin is death, but the salary of change is life. David accepted the fact that he had changed and that the enemy had changed. So watch this. But Abishai, son of Zerah. Came to David's rescue and killed the Philistine. Then David's men declared, "You are not going out to battle with us again. Why risk snuffing out the light of Israel?" After this, there was another battle against the Philistines at Gob, as they fought in Sabachai from Hushash. Killed Saf, another descendant of the giants. During another battle at Gob, Elon, son of Jair from Bethlehem, killed the brother of Goliath of Gath. The handle of his spear was as thick as a weaver's beam. In another battle with the Philistines at Gath, they encountered a huge man, six fingers on each hand, six, on each t- six toes on each foot, 24 in all, who was also a descendant of the giants. But when he defied and taunted Israel, he was killed by Jonathan, the son of David's brother Shemaiah. These four Philistines were descendants of giants of Gath, but David and his warriors killed them. What am I trying to tell you? You got to involve others in your strategy now. David surrounded himself with men who were loyal to him that when the going got rough, he involved them. You got to surround yourself with the right people. You got to make sure when it's time to go to war, you got people that are loyal and with you and for you, not just against what you're against or for what you're for, but know how to call upon the name of the Lord, know how to praise and worship, know where the battle is fought, know where it's won. You need to make sure you surround yourself with some godly people. They got vision. Get away from those grumblers and those complainers and those criticizers and get across, get with some anointed people of God who are being used mightily in the kingdom of God. So David surrounds himself with people. It matters who you hang with, fam. Can I just tell you, I, I just want to lift the blinders off right now. I'm not telling you that you can't hang around everybody, but you got to be careful who's got influence in your life. I feel like some of us are too reckless and too careless with who we allow access into our life. And let me just give you a newsflash. Don't let everybody speak into your life. I, I've had people come up to me and tell me things. I, I, I'm at the point right now, I don't know if it's old age or me just finally getting clarity. Like, I'm like, I don't receive that. That's not of God. You can come with that doom and gloom. I'm not talking about positivity. I'm just, I'm, I've had people come and make, uh, 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 uh I uh, I, uh I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't receive that. You can go talk. Or you know what? At best, I just look at you. <laughs> <laughs> and my eyes rolling as big as they can. And man, I'm like, <laughs> Lord bless you. You got to be careful who you hang with. I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you in love, let me just see your people that you hang with. I'll show you your future. And you know what? I like to hang around people that are producing. Fruit. Godly fruit. I, we were talking about it earlier today. Me and Nicole, I want to be around people who are going to add value. I want to be around people who are difference makers. David had surrounded himself with men who knew how to take a giant do you know how to take a giant down? Do are you, I want to be with some giant killers, and I believe I'm preaching to a bunch of giant killers today who understand, you know what? There might be more than one giant, but we got more than one person here who can stand and say, you know what? You might come to me with a spear and a javelin and a sword, but I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. I'm going to watch you go down just like we watched Goliath go down again and again and again. It might be a different giant and a different battle, but it'll be the same result I'm coming out victorious if you believe that give God praise so the principle invite others David killed the first giant now four of the men associated with him kill four other giants David you beat the first Goliath by yourself you stood him down but learn what God is trying to tell you in this season Another Goliath has risen, and you will not defeat this one alone. You need others to help you here. Whew. Man, I felt this. Feel this. You know what? I remember it was even recently, maybe, uh, I don't know, I, I, we were in here. I felt like the Lord was preparing me. I even felt like the Lord was like, hey, hey, reach out to some prayer warriors and get them praying because you know what? You're about to face some things. I'm thankful. Listen to what Paul tells Timothy in his final letter to uh, his son in the faith. Timothy 2, uh, 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Others. That was the lesson Paul learned. It takes others also. If this gospel is to be spread, if we're going to help ordinary people experience extraordinary life, it's going to take others. It just won't be Pastor Barry or Isabella or Patricia or Keel. It will be all of us who will do it for the glory of God. If the victory is going to be won, it's going to involve others. Can somebody say amen? I'm here to let you know. Look at the 22nd verse. These four Philistines were descendants of the giants of Gath, but David and his warriors killed them. Although David was fighting in a new way, here's what he discovered. Victory can be found over old enemies. Although the giants changed, although the weapons changed, although the strategies had changed, God hadn't changed. God still brought victory. The new Goliath was just as dead as the old Goliath. Are you hearing me? The new Goliath is just as dead as the old Goliath. You can find victory over old enemies. You can gain victory over your old tempter. You can find strength in God to conquer that old habit. I want us to stand. Oh, but pastor, I'm weak. I don't know how to fight this battle. Yes, but in your weakness, his strength is made perfect. Praise God. I don't know what I'm going to do.
0: Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends. Extraordinarychurch.ca We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.